Welcome to the Vineyard Church Cardiff podcast. Really excited to be launching a new series. We'll be hearing from James Rankin today. Hello, today I'm really excited to be starting a new vision series. You know how much I love a new series, everybody, but you combine a new series with vision and, well, I'm in my A game. Over the next few weeks, we want to share with you the vision that God has given us, this church, Vineyard Church Cardiff, for the next chapter of where God is leading us. Now, obviously, if you know me, this isn't the setup that I planned. Normally, I'd be standing in front of you in a venue um, or even online standing up. But unfortunately, a game of British Bulldogs and a broken leg later, you kind of have to make do. Originally, the plan was I was actually going to be moving around all four sites uh, on the same day. So maybe it was the Lord saving me. But um, so I'm sorry that I'm on camera today as I share with you, but also deeply, deeply excited to be sharing you with you the vision of what God has been birthing in our hearts. Anyway, people often ask me whether our church now, 13 years in, is the church that I had imagined um, all that time ago that God had in us. And I, and I kind of stop and I, I slightly chuckle to myself and, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, crystal clear vision. I had it all mapped out, three sites, pretty much knew who the site pastors were going to be. And then, and then I stop and I go, no, of course not. Of course not. Jen had, Jen and I had in our hearts to follow God's leading, to plant a church in Cardiff, that would see people come to know Jesus. And we knew that we wanted this church to be a vineyard church. We love the vineyard movement. We'd been in a vineyard church for 10 years that we absolutely loved. We didn't really wanna leave in that sense. It was just God propelling us out and saying, you've got to go. Vineyard, you know, the values of the vineyard, kingdom focused, obedient to the scriptures, full of the presence of God, worshiping in spirit and in truth. Kids and young people being captivated by Jesus, a huge heart of compassion for our city, people released in their gifting. You know, I could go on and on, but these are some of the definers. This is some of the DNA that makes us us. So Jen and I went on this faith adventure, moving cities, starting a new community in a new country, (laughs) um, three hours away from where we'd been based for 10 years with a bunch of intrepid explorers who had just said yes to coming with us. There were 16 others that that had come with us. There were 18 of us that landed in this city, praying in 16 jobs, starting again, starting a new community. We prayed a lot, as you can imagine. Uh, Sometimes had those slightly panicked decisions. It's it's one thing to take you. It's another thing when people actually decide that they want to come with you. (laughs) And there's a bit more expectation. It's like, oh, I guess, I really hope this thing works. But however, as time has gone on, the the Lord has taken the DNA, the the values, the the vision that we had to see people come to know Jesus, and he has beautifully and wonderfully grown it beyond our expectations and hopes. It's far more than I'd ever imagined. At each stage of the journey, the Lord has given us the next piece of the jigsaw puzzle. That's what what it feels like sometimes. You, You hear this and you get, oh, I'm really clear, this is the next piece. And I'm coming to you today saying, we believe the Lord has given us the next piece of the jigsaw puzzle. It's our next instructions. He's whispered in his plans and his purposes, his direction and his leading. And over time, he's brought people 
that have just expanded and grown the vision as they've joined our community and the passions that are in them, suddenly there's like a multiplication effect of that. God has always been so faithful and his purposes prevail. He is the master craftsman. He is the potter and we're the clay. I love that imagery of the Lord just moulding us and moulding his people. Our job is simply to let the Lord mould us for his purposes. So today I'm starting this new series and I've called it, He Will Be Exalted. He will be exalted. At the beginning of the year, I stood up and gave a prophetic word in the evening service. And I don't often do this. That's maybe, you know, a couple of times a year, I might stand up and be like, oh no, this is, this is really clearly from the Lord. But, and the picture was of a tornado coming right into the centre of our church and just moving right through the middle. I was like, oh, that's, that's quite a destructive picture, Lord. That's, that's so powerful. And first I was thinking, well, that's not a particularly encouraging picture, Lord. You know, I wanted something a bit softer. But so I asked the Lord for more detail and, and he built on this picture and he just said to me, this tornado is the tornado of my presence and power. He put words over it. And then above that tornado, he had these words and he was saying to me, I will be exalted. I will be exalted. The Lord will be lifted high. So I gave this word to the evening service with some small amount of trepidation. It's like, ooh, thinking, am I about to blow up the church or that's bad? Or is God about to blow up the church? Well, that's okay. If God blows it up, that's okay. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, we had the wonderful John and Ellie Mumford blow through our church, you know, on a Friday and Saturday evening. And they, they came and they ministered to us and they spoke in our sights and they deposited a hunger for his presence and a hunger for the power of God. You know, after somebody's been, you're like, what was it that, that happened to our community? Presence and power. Since then, I have seen across our church the spiritual temperature of our church is rising. We then had Putty Putman, best name ever, come into town. And again, he spoke about seeing the spirit of where the spirit of God is moving, where he's hovering and then partnering with him and doing what we see him doing. Putty kind of built on what the Mumfords had done. One evening service we had, and it was so beautiful that I couldn't actually shut it down. <laughs> it was really funny with the band. It, was, it just kept going to the point where about five times I got up to shut this service down. It's like, no, the Lord's not done. The Lord's not done. This week, even I've heard about stories of a number of people in our community the finishing the services and then continuing, the, the service continuing back in people's houses as they worship and pray together. And I'm like, yes, that's the kind of passion. It's not an hour and a half we come to meet the Lord. That's great. But actually it's the life. It's like we want to be worshippers. We, we're crying out for the presence and power of God like a tornado to move through our community. I believe that God's only getting started, that he's birthing passion and hunger for his name. And the tornado of his presence and his power needs to be central to our community. We're coming out of the pandemic, which has been so deeply, deeply restrictive. But God is wanting to see a passion and a ferocity in his church. I, I don't use that word lightly, ferocity. It's a powerful word, isn't it? But ferocity for the things of him. Uh, 
the Lord, you know, I will be exalted. And we, we, our response is, he will be exalted. He is not wanting a lukewarm church. At the beginning of the year, I spoke to the leaders out of Revelation 3, just saying, you know, God's not called us to be a lukewarm church. He's called us to be a church on fire, a people on fire, a, a church that cries out, he will be exalted. God's purposes will prevail. There's been a couple, couple of real, really pivotal scriptures that have built around this idea of God being exalted. One of them would be Psalm 46, verse 10, which says, be still and know that I am God, which is the famous bit that people often know. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Out of the stillness, we recognise who's in charge. When we stop sometimes and we just take that moment to, stop and reflect and we think about lord are you being exalted or us who's being lifted up here the westminster catechism declares that the chief end of man is to glorify god and to enjoy him forever god will be glorified another passage that's been close to my heart in looking at this god being exalted is psalm 24 the whole of the psalm the star the psalm starts by declaring the earth is the lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And it reminds us of who God is and who we are. And it reminds us that it's all his. It's, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Our talents, our gifts, our finances, our families, our relationships, all that he's created. We are owners. We are not, sorry, we are not owners, but stewards. And then in verse three, the psalm moves on to say, well, how do we respond to the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We respond in worship. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol. If we worship in this way, verse five says, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, their savior. Do you see it? There's almost a progression in this. There's revelation who God is followed by adoration. This is the worship part, going up the mountain. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Followed by provision, blessing, vindication. And then fun, finally in verse seven, we come into this next part, which is exaltation. Lots of Asians <laughs> that I'm talking about here. I absolutely love these words. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The, long, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your gates, your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord almighty. He is the king of glory, the one who will be exalted. The psalm begins with the recognition of who God is and it ends in exaltation. It reminds me of the final part of the Lord's Prayer, something that we've been looking at. We've been in a six-week series in prayer over the last few months, which traditionally ends, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, these words are not actually found in the original um, versions that we see in the Gospels. Instead, they're taken from David's prayer in 1 Chronicles 29, where he, mo he prays this most beautiful prayer of exaltation. And we're going to be, over the next couple of weeks, in 1 Chronicles. The Lord's been really speaking to us through this passage, but it says, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power 
and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Again, it's like Psalm 24, isn't it? Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. These verses are full of exaltation and adoration and praise for who God is and what he's done. Because when we get a right perspective of who God is, when we experience his goodness and his kindness, his power, his provision and his majesty, there's only one way to respond. He must be exalted. But as the church emerges from the pandemic, we want to let the king of glory come in. We want to let his presence undo people. Doesn't sound very lovely and it's not when the when the lord does us, undoes us and he causes people to fall on their faces before his majesty that's what real worship looks like we see worship in the old testament it's so physical king david was so physical in his worship before the lord we want to let his presence bring people to salvation we want to let his power heal people and break addictions we want to let his voice call people into new kingdom adventures whether starting a new business planting a new church being chaplains in workplaces, you know, getting a new perspective on being a teacher or what God's called us to. So we need his power and his presence. But we also know that in this next season, there are specific opportunities and a vision that the Lord is laying in front of us right now, the next part of the jigsaw. And it's not a new direction. It's an expansion of the picture that Jesus has already given us. You will have noticed that you were given a booklet on your way and ta-da! So in it, it's beautiful, by the way. So thank you so much to Kitty for designing that. But in it, we've outlined our next step in terms of vision and focus. We have reached another critical juncture. And as always in kingdom ministry, this requires our time, our energy and our money. We never, ever want to be a church where the few are involved where you've got 10, 20% of the people running around doing everything and everybody's just else is just there. We're not meant to just be a bunch of attenders. We're meant to be a family together who are serving our city. And this is an invitation that's going to require all of us. God has not called us, you know, we've kind of come back after the pandemic. The church is, is back, you know, almost to, whew, I'm glad we've done that to settle down, pat ourselves on the back. We're never going to settle down. That is not who God has called this church to be. We are not settlers. The vision that he's given us is so expansive. Restore the city, renew the nation. That that vision has not changed. It's growing. And we have been given so much. In the scriptures, it says, to whom much is given, much is expected. And it's not for ourselves. It's not to keep it. It's not to hoard it. Instead, it's for him. It's for his kingdom, his power, his majesty. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Now, In the booklet, we've outlined three key moments in front of us. The first one is buying the gate and a new era of what that looks like. The second is developing our sites and ministries. And the third is church planting and equipping future leaders. Today, I want to talk about the first of these, buying the gate. But in order to do this, I need to go back to remind you of our story so far before we can look forwards and look ahead. Some of you have been with us since the very first day. Some of you, you moved down with us. Some of you have joined us in the last year or even are here today for the first time. 
you know, so many people in so many different places. But understanding the journey of a community is really, really important. Otherwise, it's really difficult to understand the decisions that are made as you move forwards. Understanding why and how God has spoken, how he's led, seeing his fingerprints. What is it? What are some of the prophetic words over a community? Throughout the Old Testament, we see the Israelites constantly remembering what God has done how he parted the Red Sea, how he rescued them from Egypt, how he brought them into the promised land. And this remembering led to celebration. So now it's our turn to celebrate what God has done in our story. And again, not about us, but about him. And remember how he's spoken to look at our roots and the journey so far and then start to look at what's ahead. So here we go. A whistle-stop tour of the last 13 years. Boom, 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 boom. In August, 2008, a team of 18 of us landed in Cardiff, having moved from Nottingham to start a new community. Epic adventure. We had two weeks to find somewhere to meet as we landed in this new city in order to launch the church on September the 4th. And we thought we'd go big and we're like, where's the biggest place in the city? Oh, the Millennium Stadium's pretty big, isn't it? It's kind of central. It's obviously being renamed now. But we got a box in the Millennium Stadium overlooking the pitch. After a couple of weeks, we'd outgrown this and moved our Thursday night service to City Hall. We were meeting people, inviting them along, and the church was growing week by week. And it wasn't long before we'd outgrown the room in City Hall as well. So we relocated our gatherings to a larger space downstairs in the Grape and Olive, as it was then. Some of you are like, what? Um, on Weedle Road. And we continued to meet at the Grape and Olive until we felt it was time as a church to move to Sunday mornings. Uh, which we did in September 2009, started meeting at the Park Inn right in the city centre. Again, steady growth and limited space for kids' church meant that we were on the move again a year later. So in September 2010, this time to Cardiff City Football Stadium. We're back at Cardiff City Football Stadium. But our fifth different venue in just two years. We were a nomadic people moving around. We loved being Cardiff City Stadium, but... Cardiff City got promoted. It seems a long time ago now, but they got promoted and suddenly they had a lot of Sunday games. And so suddenly we kept losing the venue and it just felt not that stable. So we, we had to find another space to move on again. And so we started praying for provision. You know, it's like, God, you've got to provide. Now, in November 2012, while I, I was on a little visit to see family in London, Jen and I attended South West London Vineyard. After the service, the senior pastor came up to me with a prophetic word and he said, God's going to surprise you this week with some good news in answer to prayer. So be alert. It's really nice that he said good news, isn't it? You're like, oh, yeah, some good news this week. So three days later, I received an email from the manager of the gate asking if we as a church would like to start meeting there regularly on Sunday mornings as well as in the evening. And this was something that we'd never thought was a possibility. Of course, there were some logistics that we would need to iron out, like whether we could use in the 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 rooms in the Macintosh for kids' church, also parking. But within weeks, the Mac had confirmed it was available. And so we made an agreement to move the Sunday morning service to the gate from February 2013. Then in January 2013, just a few days before our first regular service at the gate, whilst Jen and I were at the Vineyard Leaders Gathering in Nottingham, Jen was having a coffee in the cafe area. And a lady who Jen didn't know at all came up to her, handed her a piece of paper. On it was written a prophecy and it said, the gate will open wide enough for all the people I'm going to send. And Jen was absolutely stunned. And she was like, 
do you know that we're about to move into a venue called The Gate? And the woman had absolutely no idea. Can you see how amazing that? No idea, blown away, and was so encouraged by the uh, accuracy of the word as well. So with full confidence of God's leading, when you move, you're like, oh, is this going to work? But we were like, no, the Lord has spoken. In February 2013, we moved to the gate and it became our regular Sunday venue for our morning and evening services. Over the next few, few years, continued growth, particularly in our kids' church, meant we became increasingly concerned that we wouldn't have the capacity to continue welcoming new people into the church. But the thought of turning people away and being like, I'm really sorry, we're shut. Yeah, kids are shut, no more room, we're done, was at odds with the reason that we planted the church. You know, it's like, oh, you're new here, great, really sorry, out of space. So in early 2016, as the leadership team, we started praying about our next steps. And we essentially had three choices. Stay as you are, which was never really an option for us. Find a new venue, most likely buying, leasing a warehouse and taking the church through a massive giving campaign, or explore a new model for doing church, one of which was multi-site. So on the 19th of January 2016, I'm quite precise with dates, aren't I? We met and prayed as the senior leadership team. We could see advantages and disadvantages of options two and three. But ultimately, in order to take the next steps and take the journey on the church on the journey as well, we needed more than anything to hear God. If you're going to move into something, you know, as the leader and you're going to take a people on the journey, you just want to know that God has spoken. So we prayed that God would make it so clear which path to take. The very next day, the very next day, I received an unexpected phone call from the gate inviting me to a meeting to discuss whether we as a church had the capacity and capability to be more involved with the day-to-day operations and runnings of the gate. Can you see, prayed the night before, day before, God, what is it? The next day, get a phone call. So from there, we started exploring getting more involved with the gate, what it would look like, how we could begin to move into this multi-site model of church. Many positive meetings with the gate trustees resulted in us taking over the management of the gate with Matt Meese becoming the gate centre director in June 2016. Felt like a really exciting time as a church with a sense that there was even more to come because the gate was so intrinsically linked with the decision for us to become a multi-site church. And the more we looked into the whole philosophy and practices of how a multi-site vision might outwork, we could see clearly that the team God had built around myself and Jen was exceptionally well suited to doing this way of church. We could see it really working in the city and surrounding area, the ability to create more local communities, empower more leaders, create a smaller and bigger spaces for people to come. And it's much easier to invite somebody local who's exploring faith to come down the road than it is 20 minutes, half an hour away to a venue. In September 2018, Ian and Sophie Douglas began leading the North site, now led by Dave and Rachel Kemp, followed by Mark and Anna Crosby in the West site less than two years later. God's fingerprints are all over the stories of how these couples felt called to lead these sites and how these sites came to be. This wasn't just us going, oh yes, we, these guys should do it. They, they felt like the Lord speak. And if you speak to both of them, their stories are amazing. Then in March, 2020, COVID hits. This had serious ramifications for the gate as an art center, as you can imagine. Within a couple of months of the pandemic, the owners of the venue, the Gate Trust, made the decision to mothball the art center which was an extremely, extremely difficult time for all involved, especially the team that we'd established there. And the gate went back to simply being a venue that we hired on a Sunday. 
However, during this time, conversations between the trustees of Vineyard Church Cardiff and the Gate Trust, sorry, they continued these conversations. And underlyingly, we didn't think that our chapter with the gate was over. And if we're really honest, at every step, at every stage, we felt this desire just push in, push in, push in. Over the course of the next 10 months after much prayer in July of last year, we as the senior leadership team and the Vineyard Church trustees put in an offer to actually buy the gate. And after some negotiations, some surveyors and mortgage companies, we landed on a price that was mutually agreeable. So for the last couple of months, we have been doing all the necessary due diligence, and I'm excited to say that we're hoping to exchange in the next month. Oh my goodness. The next month. To us, this feels part miracle, part hard-fought kingdom battle, part stepping into what God has already always intended for us. Leonard Ravenhill says the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. And we firmly believe this is the moment we find ourselves in. We have an opportunity. We've had to wait a long time, but the opportunity to purchase the gate is now here. One last piece of God's hand at work here is financially, how this has been made possible. A project of this scope obviously requires quite a lot of money. Not only did we need to agree on a price and secure a mortgage as a church, we also needed a substantial deposit, something that we weren't that sure it would be that easy to ask the church for right back in the depths of the pandemic in 2021. However, we believe that where God guides, he provides. So when the agreement had finally been made between the two sets of trustees, Jen turns around to me and she's like, this is amazing. Can you believe it? How do you feel? And she... She could see that I was looking a little bit pale. And I said to her, yeah, it's it's great, but it's it's also a bit of a brown pants moment. (laughs) We've got to find a lot of money very quickly. That's the problem with leadership sometimes. And it's like, I've got this amazing vision. It's just here. We're going to have to find a lot of money. And here's the, the really incredible God thing. Within a week, I'd been, I'd had a number of phone calls with people. A number of incredibly generous, some might even say outrageously general people, generous people, who not only told me they kept aside money to lend us, but also to give us. So over the next couple of weeks, we as a church were given over £70,000 in gifts from people within this congregation and some not even in our church. So I went from a, oh my goodness, I've got to raise all this money to, do you know what? God's in charge. <laughs> like, this is, this is his idea. He will provide. And it's one of those moments where you think, God, wow, you're really real and you're really good. I want to finish this story by sharing something from the first part of the Gates story. Dave Pike from our community, who some of you will know is a Welsh revival historian. He wrote a summary of, summary of the history of the Gate, which I recently read through. Do you know this isn't the first time that the gate has been prayerfully and financially fought for for the kingdom of God to advance? Way back when the building work was first completed in 1902, just prior to the powerful Welsh revival, these are some of the words that were prayed. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, 
We were like them that dream. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. And then it goes on. Let us pray that in the new chapels, souls may be saved, the weary comforted, and the saints inspired, illumined and sanctified. What an amazing prayer. And it's a prayer that I believe is still very much our prayer for this building today. So what will this look like in this new era of us owning the gates? And as we've outlined in the book that there are four things we see the gate becoming in this new era. Firstly, a base for our team. The gate won't just be a Sunday venue for our central site. Going forwards, the staff team will be mainly based in the building. It's going to hold uh, host sorry, a whole load of different church events such as leaders meetings, youth services, alpha, plus restore and community activities. So a base for our team. Secondly, a house of prayer and worship. We want his presence to be encountered when people come in. That they would come into that building and be like, what is it that's different? It's the presence of the Lord. That the building would be saturated in prayer. So a house of worship and prayer. Thirdly, a training centre for future leaders. We believe it's time for us to step up the way that we train, equip and release leaders, church planters and kingdom pioneers. And the gate provides us with a space to be able to do this at the next level. And we'll talk about this in more detail next week. And then finally, a creative hub for the city. The gate is a brilliant performance venue. The acoustics, the environment. We want the gate to be a place where the city gathers to celebrate the arts and creativity. And we look forward to continuing that tradition and bringing the venue back to life with must-see events and classes. It's exciting, isn't it? It's really exciting. I hope you're capturing something of me that even though I've sat down, even though I've broken my leg and I want to be with you today, I'm so, so excited about this. We are part of history. This is our chapter, our part to play in the move of the kingdom of God in this wonderful city and incredible nation. And we believe the purchase of the gate is a significant step in our pursuit of God's purpose for us and through us. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll talk more about the next steps that we want to take in developing our sites and ministries, serving the city we love and developing future leaders. In finishing, God has already beautifully and miraculously provided £87,000 towards the purchasing of the gate. More money has come in in the last couple of months. It didn't stop with the 70, it's more has come in. This will go towards the deposit. Now I'm coming to the church and asking whether you will give towards our next steps. In order to pay the rest of the deposit, we need another £82,000. But on top of that, we're wanting to develop all of our sites and resource ministries within them, within them, sorry, to set them up to thrive in this next season and to press into launching more sites and planting more churches. This is a moment when I am asking and calling the church together to press into generosity and giving, to put our money open-handedly before the Lord. I love the image that um, when we come to the Lord and we're like, Everything is yours and we come before him with open hands and the Lord can pour into those open hands. But so often we want to be like this. But the Lord's like, no, just come before me open handedly. One of our values as a church is outrageous generosity. We've already seen it and we're looking forward to the next stage of it. But the truth is to step into this next chapter, we're going to need generosity from our people, not just one or two, but the whole community. In the back of the brochure that was handed out today, you'll find a pledge form or a giving process. 
There are a number of different ways from a one-off gift through to a pledge for a couple of years to starting regular giving to this community. My question to you would be, would you ask the Lord what he would have you give? So as I come in to finish, I want to come back to what this is really all about, seeing God's purposes prevail. Whether you've been part of this community from the very, very beginning, or have only recently joined us, maybe you've only just met Jesus. This is your journey. This is our journey. That's why I've told the kingdom story today. And as we partner with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, to restore the city and to renew the nation, he will be exalted. He will be exalted. Thank you.